logistics is becoming a differentiator for many companies, right? So logistics in the past was a cost driver. Now it's becoming a differentiator. Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain podcast. My name's Richard Howells. I'm the Vice President for Thought Leadership for SAP's ERP, Finance and Supply Chain Solutions. And I'm joined by my co-host, Sin. Hello, my name is Sin Tu, and I'm marketer, blogger, and podcaster on the topic of supply chain at SAP. Today, we are joined by our guest, Till Dengel, to discuss logistics and its role in enabling risk-resilient and sustainable supply chains. So welcome, Till. If you could take a moment to introduce yourself and give some insights into your role and what you do today, Till. Yes, happy to do so. Warm welcome from my side. So my name is Till Dengel, 23 years with SAP, and I look after our digital logistics solution portfolio here at SAP globally. Thank you very much for this introduction and thank you for having you today on this show. So we are talking about logistics and its role for enabling risk resilient and sustainable supply chains today. So in your opinion, what are some of the key challenges facing logistics executives today and what are they concerned about? Yeah, it's quite interesting, right? If you would have asked me this question maybe two years ago before the pandemic, I would have said the main challenges is efficiency, right? Driving the last penny out of the supply chain and business as much as possible. But I think the pandemic changed the thinking quite a bit. Since we had all this volatility and risk and a lot of supply chains suddenly not working anymore, the entire topic of resilience, which I think is, you know, to some extent a very overused word, but that's exactly what it is is a big topic of most of our supply chain executives that we talk about. So how can I be more flexible, more agile? How can I assess the risk? How can I have more visibility into my supply chain? So I think that's one of the key drivers at the moment. So that's number one. Number two is still efficiency. I mean, any logistics and supply chain needs to operate and be automated and be as efficient as possible. And then the third trend that I think is increasingly coming also from the consumer side is the trend around where did my goods originate from, who touched my goods, how did they move through the supply chain, which eventually leads also into a sustainability angle. So it has a customer experience angle to it, but it also has a sustainability angle to it from a tracking and tracing side. So you've mentioned resiliency, efficiency, and transparency as key drivers. How are these things. I mean, there's a balancing act here between balancing all these things. There's different goals to be more efficient versus more resilient and then having that transparency. So how is this impacting logistics processes and the executives that run them? What are we doing to address these challenges? Yeah, I think the main topic here is visibility, right? Everyone wanted to establish visibility in the last, whatever, 18 to 24 months because there was a black hole, right? Things were not leaving the port or were leaving the port. And then there was a black hole for multiple weeks until they finally arrived and people were running out of stock and they didn't have, or they only had very limited visibility. So I think establishing that visibility layer is the first step. And then once you have that visibility, then you can start acting on the visibility. Then you can start replanning, for example, looking at your inventory or maybe sourcing your inventory from somebody else, or you can maybe accelerate you know, parts of the overall transportation chain, especially on the last leg, if you see the overall, you know, incoming vessel is late. Um, so then people can start to take action and react, which is the second step. And then the third step, once you have all this data and also the historical data, 
then you can start predicting what could potentially happen in the future, which are trade lanes that are always causing problems, right? Which are areas that I should specifically be sensible about and that I, I should be looking at. So I think it starts with visibility, then it goes into actions, and then it goes into predictions. So I want to follow one question from that. You talked about having better visibility, and we're talking about the logistics process. So we're talking about the whole supply chain. So you're dealing with logistics service providers, you're dealing with partners and suppliers. What's the role of the business network in helping improve this visibility? Of course, it's an important role, right? So with the business network, and maybe we need to explain what the business network is. So the business network, people can think of like a LinkedIn for business, right? So I'm a big shipper. I have multiple hundred carriers probably that I work with, and I can invite these carriers on my business network to become a member of my business network. I invite them, they get on the network, they key in some basic data, and from that moment on, I can start doing business with them. And the interesting thing here, since all of this is in the cloud, you're executing one business process that spans from your own facilities all the way to the business process, you know, proportion or part of it that the carriers are doing. So you can tender loads, you can do load acceptance, you can do dock appointment scheduling with your carriers, you can do the tracking and tracing piece, and it goes all the way to managing even disputes with your carriers. So you're executing a business process end-to-end, -end, even though the goods and the process actually leaves the four walls of your company and spans out into the carrier community, but you're still in one in the same system. And with that, you eliminate a lot of paperwork, a lot of emails going around, a lot of telephone calls, and you're increasing efficiency because everyone has the same data, the same level of transparency, and everyone is on one in the same system. A question to this, because you mentioned the business network is similar to, let's say, LinkedIn or another social network. Aren't the participants, are they not afraid of losing or sharing this kind of data with the others? Or how can they protect those data, like decide which or who can see their data in terms of where the goods are, with whom they are working with, etc. pp. Yeah. So once they're in the network, the relationship they have with the shipper as their customer is a private relationship, right? So the others will not see this. It's only the shipper that will see, for example, the tracking milestones or even the rates that you're negotiating through the business network. And can logistics be more agile and flexible and more resilient in order to be better prepared for future crisis by pulling out those data and then working with this? Well, I think there's two dimensions, right? One is the flexibility in the moment, the operational flexibility. So let's say one supplier cannot deliver or one supplier is late that you have an established relationship with. And then you're finding a second supplier that could deliver the similar material. But with that supplier, you don't have an established trade lane, right? So you don't have a logistics carrier going to that supplier. You don't have rates agreed. You don't have any information there. So that's when you can tender out into the business network and say, I have this shipment. Who can carry that load? Who can pick up the goods? Who could be a new carrier in that region? And that's where you get that agility, right? That's one example. The other example is also that we're working, for example, with a standard interface with Uber Freight or with Insta Freight, where you can tap into the network of Uber Freight. And then in the background, they have tens of thousands of carriers that can actually then start operating and moving the load. So also that gives you a lot of flexibility because you usually don't have that much access to all these carriers, right? Going through such a digital freight forwarder opens up a whole lot more operational carriers that could actually work for you. 
So you talked about working with different suppliers and the different suppliers could be anywhere in the world, but it's not just finding the cheapest supplier that becomes important today because every physical movement of goods has a financial cost, but it has an environmental cost as well. So sustainability is a major factor in businesses moving forward. And I think it will be a major factor for the rest of our lives and beyond. What role can and does logistics play both as a contributor to sustainability issues and also as an area of focus for addressing the challenges of sustainability? I mean, logistics is, of course, a big contributor, right? And within logistics, especially the transportation part. I just read a study actually last week that the emissions from today to 2050 are supposed to double once more. So even transportation will increase. Movement will increase, and with that, the CO2 emissions will increase. And the sustainability goal that they have. So there's multiple things that you can, of course, do. And many of them we've done in the past. Many of them we've done by driving efficiency. So when you consolidate loads so that you utilize your equipment better, right? You put more in a container or you put more in a truck. That increases efficiency on one side, but of course, it also is better for the environment and has fewer CO2 emissions. So I think that's the near-term thing. And when we talk about sustainability, I always like to talk about the three zeros, right? One is zero emissions. And I think that's the target you consolidate better. And then many of our customers are actually moving to electric fleets, which is pretty much on the last mile in inner cities. Electric vehicles are pretty much the norm. Of course, as we are going into container shipping and air freight, and so it's not yet that much there with electricity, but I think it will come. There's new models that are coming. So that's the emission side. And here it's important that you track the emissions, that on one side, you know what's going on and what's happening and how much you're exposed here. And so that in the future, you can become better and you have measurable metrics that you can compare against. And then in the future, I think it's also the planning side that you can, when a customer says, I want this shipment that you can say, well, you know, you can either plan based on the cheapest one or you could plan, for example, based on the more sustainable one. And that then it would arrive maybe a week later, but it's definitely a more sustainable mode of transportation. So that's the zero emissions piece. Then there's the zero waste piece, which I think is also very important in logistics. And zero waste means in logistics, returnable packaging or circular economy. So I have a lot of returnable or packaging material like pallets and crates that I'm reusing and also packaging, cardboard packaging and things like that. And more and more companies are looking at that to reuse that, to bring it back and to basically reuse that across the supply chain. And that also has two dimensions to it. One dimension is the inventory dimension. So where is my inventory of repackaging or packaging material? Does it sit with me? Does it sit with the carrier? Does it sit with the customer? And then also the ownership, because sometimes that's being sold. So that's another whole area. And then the third area is zero inequality, right? That you're looking that you're checking within your supply chain from basically origin of the product all the way to the final sales of the product. Who has been, where did the product come from? Was it sustainably traded? Was it sustainably sourced? Things like that. And did the people who interacted with the product, did they comply to certain quality measurements that you have agreed with them, right? So it's a seamless audit trail that you can follow from the purchasing moment all the way back to the origin of the material. So those are the three zeros that, that I like to look at. When you delve into the emissions question, I mean, we talk about scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions. And the scope two emissions and scope three emissions are the ones hardest to track and find. Again, because it's from outside of your organization. 
So how are you seeing companies gather that type of information, the information that they don't control themselves, but they need visibility of? Yeah, it's multi-tiered networks, right? That makes it complex. The first scenarios that we've seen is that companies are trying to get data directly from where it originates, right? So there's a couple of startups out there, quite interestingly, that have technology that get the CO2 emissions data or the exhaust data directly from the truck through the telematics systems and feeds that back into IT systems through an API. And once it's then in a digital format, then you can use it and also share it up the chain to level two and level one. So it's early. I think it's, you know, it's a challenge, but the interesting piece for me is that we get away from just planned data, what we assume it is into real data. So we can have the actual data that you can do improvements. So I think it's early stages, but certainly many companies have that in their strategy when they select suppliers and putting that in, into the RFIs. And so I think we'll see a lot more of that in the future. One other question around the uh, worker and worker quality and safety. How do you see companies ensuring the safety of their workforce as well? Because that's a sustainability topic as well, is ensuring the environmental health and safety of, as you've got people driving hazardous equipment around the country or driving too many hours. How are, are companies addressing that and planning for that? Well, there's different dimensions and quite interesting ways that companies are dealing with that. The most basic one is that you're tracking the incidents, you keep track of the incidents and you make it visible what's been happening and you try to assess the risk from these incidents so they don't happen again in the future. So that's, I think, the basic tracking. But there is also quite new technologies that we are seeing out there in the market. So for example, computer vision. There is companies out there that are actually also feeding data into our systems that use cameras to see what's going on in the warehouse, for example, or what's going on in certain areas of the warehouse and using computer vision to detect potential risk, right? Detect potential forklifts driving in a certain area that they're not supposed to be in or detecting IoT sensors, detecting certain you know, air quality that is not good, which is use case in the warehouse. And then there's other use cases. One of the startups that we work with, they have devices on the truck, they have cameras on the truck, and they're constantly monitoring what's going on in the real-time traffic, right? They're looking at signs, they're looking at traffic violations, they're getting data from the engine in terms of you know, more offensive driving, harsh braking, things like that, which is quite interesting how they're using technology to do this. And they're constantly you know, using this data stream that's coming in and using machine learning to assess the data to see if there's any potential risk for the driver that they could be alerting the driver and also, I mean, what we all see in our private life, right, that the car is making a certain lane move that the car is detecting what's happening and then proposing a break. We've certainly come a long, long way since the first time I was in a warehouse. The first thing I remember was the big sign as I came in through the door that said blank space days since last incident. And every day they added a day, 10 days, 11 days, 12 days. And it was and exactly. nobody wanted to get it back to zero. That was the technology at that point is just manually tracking and everything that you're talking about here is it's a different planet. So is there also some kind of technical solution, for example, in a warehouse where a driver from a truck needs to put each different pallet onto the truck and then there's a new order coming in where they need to change some kind of goods? And do those people know, okay, this pallet is on that truck and we need to take it out? Or is there a need that someone is going direct into the truck, like physically, and then to 
check and see by himself or herself, oh, where's the pellet? It's the classic airline example, right? One passenger drops out and then they need to find the luggage mm -hmm. before the airline can take off. Yep. So uh, <laughs> very similar, right? But if you have integrated systems, right? If you have an integrated warehouse management system that's you know, tightly coupled with your transportation management system, and you need to pull that order out for whatever reason, you will know based on that connection, which pallet went on which truck, when it was packed. And since you also have the three-dimensional load planning, you would also know where it's being st stored in the truck so you could much more quickly find it. And I mean, this has been an area we worked on on the SAP side in the last two years quite a bit of very deeply integrating that warehouse management and transportation management. So they even work on the same business object. And I don't want to be too technical here, but they work on the same object. So the people in the warehouse and the people in the dispatching department on the transportation side have the, you know, the same level of data, exactly the same level, but two different perspectives on it. So that's pretty much what, what's the standard today. Thank you for the explanation. Just another question, because you talked a lot about using different tools, using different technologies to make the whole life a little bit better in terms of transportation, the work in the warehouse from the logistics point of view, and then also sustainability. So what are actually then some of the tools and technologies that companies can use to leverage some of the challenges that you mentioned, like the three zeros, because there might be some companies who are still looking for a solution, like how can I still choose the transportation mode that is the cheapest, but being still sustainable in some way mm -hmm. to keep the balance. So, I mean, there's multiple capabilities, right? And some of them are independent solutions. Some of them are in our case, part of our enterprise resource planning. So our ERP system as part of a solution, but the main capabilities are one being warehouse management, right? Everything to move inbound then operations within the warehouse and outbound. Then of course, the transportation management as a solution, which has the main purpose of consolidating orders into loads in the most optimal way and to deliver them in the most optimal fashion. So they arrive on time at different customers. And then also to find the best carrier and charge and calculate the charges with that carrier. And then there is other solutions for bigger operations, for example, for the managing yard logistics. And you have a big container yard or a big truck yard that you can also, for example, for the safety of workers, you know what's an incoming truck. You can gate in that truck when they arrive. You can ask certain questions before they enter the yard, what information or which orders they are picking up. Did they drink alcohol, things like that, security type of questions before they come in. Then you move them to the dock door, you load them, right? So that's more the yard logistics. And then there's an entire visibility piece that sits on top of that, which looks across all these processes that I just mentioned and checks on the visibility, meaning everything that I have planned are the milestones met. And if the milestones are not met, I need to inform somebody. So you manage by exception. So you inform somebody in the yard or you inform a warehouse worker or you inform a supervisor, for example, to do something. So it's that milestone-based reporting and alerting that you get on the visibility side. So those are, I would say, the main solutions I would see in a logistics operation. So a little earlier, you were talking in one of your examples about some of the technologies and how they're getting applied into the logistics processes. And I wrote down IoT, AI, and machine learning. And there's two others that I'd like to get your opinion on. First, augmented reality, and second, blockchain. Where are you seeing use cases for those technologies, if, if any? 
I mean, in the warehousing space, we definitely see augmented reality to also train the warehouse workers and help them understand how to operate a warehouse and to move within a warehouse. So that's the, in logistics, I would say that, you know. So that's to train them safely before they get into the warehouse and have pallets and heavy stuff all around them. Exactly. And then there's the blockchain use case. Uh, there's multiple use cases that we actually see, but I still think it's quite early for blockchain. Yeah. I don't think it's yet mainstream, but the use cases I see in blockchain, one is what I would consider trade document collaboration, because you have in international trade, you still are using a lot of paper documents that represent the value of the container. And you have to use FedEx or UPS to basically send the documents across the pond so people can actually get to the goods with the bill of lading. And I think exchanging those documents electronically and ensuring the trust from both parties or all participating parties, there is a blockchain quite useful, right? That early stages. So could in theory help speed up cross-border movements, but also the ownership of the goods, the handover of ownership, which isn't necessarily the physical handover of goods. Exactly. And many times the ownership changes, right? While the goods are on the vessel, the ownership changes because they're being sold and then somebody else needs to present the document to get the goods. So that's one use case. And then the second use case is what we talked about earlier around material traceability, right? You want to know where a product originated from, but you want to also make sure that nobody was fiddling around with the data and saying, yes, it's fairly traded. And yes, it came from like the coffee came from this area. And then eventually it came from somewhere else, right? So that's, I think, where blockchain is very useful just to ensure the trust within the value chain. And that second one, does that help with eliminating counterfeiting as well as tampering? Counterfeiting is one use case and the other use case is just tracing of material yeah. origin. Yeah, so. Thank you. Sin, over to you. So thinking of what you said, Till, just to get an advice from you, if I would be now a company who wants to start digitize my journey across the logistics process and network. What kind of advice do you want to give me then? Or what you mm -hmm. propose? How can I start and where should I start with? Yeah, it's interesting because I think that's on the mind of many of the customers we talk to. And everyone has a different starting point, right? Everyone has a different end point. And then many people have a vision where they want to go to. So I think the first step is to establish that vision. And then you know at least where you start from and where you want to go to. But I think the big challenge is then to draw that roadmap in incremental steps that you can actually achieve. So I would start with vision and then that roadmap. And then I think very important is, as in every project, that you have it in smaller increments that you can actually deliver because it's heavy on everyone. It's heavy on the IT, but it's equally heavy on the business side with what we hear from our clients. And then it's also important to have quick wins, right? Show the success. I mean, there is so much technology out there that all sounds great and fancy. And, but I mean, you need to have eventually that business case and you need to be better off after you implemented the software than you were before. Right, so that you have a concrete ROI and that you can measure that and that you can also show your organization here to make sense that we're investing here. So I think starting with the vision, painting the roadmap, smaller increments, and then having successes and then celebrating successes as in every project, I think that's definitely important. And it can be complex, right? Those projects are complex. And we have customers out there that have 600, 800 warehouses, right? So this is nothing that you would do in a year. These are multi-year projects to go from you know, one technology to the next level. And of course, you want to always have a positive business case for that. 
So I have one final question that we ask all of our victims or guests. <laughs> um, and uh, you've, I think you've covered pretty much everything that we could have covered in less than half an hour. But from a logistics perspective, in a sentence or two, what do you see the future of supply chain? Good questions. One topic we didn't talk about is robotics, right? Robotics in the warehouse. And usually when you say robotics, people think about the humanoid robot that they've seen on video, right? And that's not what we're talking about, right? This is cobots that help the warehouse worker, that follow the warehouse worker, that execute simple tasks like a cross-docking of goods coming in, moving directly to the outbound side where you don't need actually a human workforce. So I think robotics really became mainstream in the last two years. So we've seen big advancements also from a cost perspective, much cheaper now to do this. And it's augmenting the workforce, right? It's not replacing anyone. It's really augmenting the workforce. So that I think we will see a lot more. And it brings warehouse automation, that entry level of warehouse automation, where in the past it was very static. It brings that down to a much more dynamic level. And you can, of course, start with one robot or two robots. And you don't have to put in a static shelf in your warehouse. So I think that brings the entry barrier quite very much down. And that's why I think robotics is interesting. And then the next thing with robotics that I personally find interesting, that it's not that you know you now have the robot doing a human task. That's one piece of it. But the, the second piece of it, the robot is collecting data, right? The robot knows how it traveled in the warehouse. So you're establishing a data layer that we never had before. And based on that the data layer, you can then start optimizing the warehouse. Which goods are fast moving? Which goods are slow moving? Where are my hotspots in the warehouse? How can I optimize that if I rearrange products and things? So with that data layer, you get a whole lot of material that you can start learning from. So that's in the warehouse. The same thing we have on the transportation side, right? So with the visibility providers that we have out there, providing visibility data every 15 minutes, you get a ping from a truck or every hour you get a ping from a container vessel. With that, you suddenly establish a data layer that we didn't have five years before. So you suddenly have that real-time representation of the physical world in the digital world. And there is lots of opportunity that I don't think we haven't even thought of what can you do with the data? How can you optimize entire supply chains and look at supply chains very differently based on that you know, fundamental data layer that you now have? So I think those are two things. And then you get into scenarios where in the past we've been planning and then you had a cutoff date and then you started execution, right? So I think we'll see that changing because you now have real-time data flowing in and you constantly replan what's currently happening. And, but that's, again, future stuff. And then the last one, more from the business side, and we already see this, logistics is becoming a differentiator for many companies, right? So logistics in the past was a cost driver. Now it's becoming a differentiator. If I have good logistics operations, I can have my product to market. I can have my product available if customers want to purchase. And you can see this by the logistics role elevated to a board level sometimes elevated to more executive level in these companies. So I think that's also something we will continue to see more just from a pure business perspective and not a technology perspective. Well, Till, thanks for a great conversation as ever. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And thanks everyone for listening. Please mark us as a favorite and you can get regular updates and information about future episodes. But until the next time from Sin and I, Thank you for discussing the future of supply chain.